pray. Father, we thank you that you... The Word of God, and we pray that you would take this little passage of Scripture and uh, seems rather unusual and help us to understand how it can apply to us and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I want to talk about uh, wrestling with God. And um, most of you are, maybe most of you are familiar with the uh, sport of wrestling. <clears throat> I hate to disappoint any of you by telling you that professional wrestling is not actually real wrestling competition. I, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. It's not actually real. Um, Olympic wrestling and college wrestling and high school wrestling and middle school wrestling, that's real wrestling. So even Wikipedia describes professional wrestling as following. Professional wrestling is a form of athletic theater. I'm sorry to hurt anyone's feelings. That revolves around mock combat matches that are usually performed in a ring similar to the kind used in boxing. And I will say this, I mean, they, they put on a pretty good show, um, can be quite interesting. Um, some people find it entertaining, uh, I will admit, but I will say this about it. It is truly exhausting and it involves great athleticism and strength, but it's still just a show. It's more like Hollywood or Showtime or it's not a real match, it's kind of rigged. So what I want to make sure you understand, though, is when we're reading this passage in the Bible, it's not rigged. Jacob was really wrestling with God. The Old Testament story of Jacob is a real wrestling match between a man and God. And the statement alone raises a multitude of questions. Is this story fake and make-believe, just a little made-up story to entertain us? Or is the, Bible, is the Bible full of little made-up stories to entertain gullible fans like professional wrestling fans? Or was this an actual event in human history where a human being entered into an actual wrestling match more along the lines of Olympic-style wrestling with Jesus Christ, the Son of God? If it is the latter, which I believe it to be, then we have a lot to discuss and explain this morning. If this really happened, which I believe that it did, then we have a lot to talk about this morning, try to figure out why would such a thing occur, and is that really what the Bible is telling us? So my first question is, who was Jacob in the Bible? Who was Jacob? And it says this man named Jacob had this wrestling match with God. So the first question is, who is Jacob? And we'll later get to the question is, how could he wrestle God? How is that even possible? So I'm going to back up just a little bit. The two first human beings, I kind of feel like I have to get the big picture before we can dive in. The two first human beings created by God were Adam and Eve, and they lived in the Garden of Eden. So God gave them freedom to make their choices in life. But He gave them one prohibition. He told them not to eat the fruit from one particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The fruit itself was not poisonous. It was not itself harmful at all. 
It was put there simply to see if Adam and Eve would trust and obey God in life or disobey. He gave them freedom to choose, and it was a test. You have all these things you're free to do, just one little prohibition. Can you trust God enough to not do that one prohibition? He told them not to eat from that one tree. It was simply to see if Adam and Eve would trust and obey. How would they use that freedom given to them by God? And they chose to disobey God, and it began the long path of sin, destruction, and death for all mankind. And to this day, we, rep, we observe on a daily basis that there is, we have no doubt in our minds that there is evil and death wherever there are human beings. And this was the beginning of what I often refer to as the Great Rebellion. The Great Rebellion began in this beautiful garden that was intended for blessings, but a choice was made to disobey God, and it began a worldwide Great Rebellion. This is not what God desires for people, with whom He desires. What He desires is to have a personal relationship. And therefore, God had, from the very beginning, a great rescue mission. As soon as there was the Great Rebellion, God kicked in with a great rescue mission. Instantly. Therefore, God had this great rescue mission where He would eventually send His one and only Son to enter into the human situation as a person, a real person, 100% fully human being called that transaction or that transformation was called the incarnation of Christ. When Jesus became human, He fully God and fully man to rescue mankind from sin and death by voluntarily going to die on the cross where he defeated sin and death. And then he rose from the dead, the resurrection, which we celebrate at Easter. And actually we celebrate it every week and every day as believers. So we have sin and death followed immediately by the great rescue mission involving Jesus Christ. And that's the storyline of this whole book. And we're we're dropping down at one specific moment in history during the great story to figure out why would God wrestle with a man named Jacob who apart from the work of God would be nobody doing nothing important. But it's part of God's great rescue mission. That's what makes him a player in the divine drama of God here. So... Jacob played an important role early in the great story of God's rescue mission. He's like Genesis, very early in the story. And many people, there are many people in the Old Testament who were characters like Jacob, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Noah, David, Samson, Elisha. Why do we know all these people? Because they're great players in the great story of redemption. They have a role to play given to them by God that radically impacts you and me for eternity. It's this big story, and we're part of it because we are part of the human race which Jesus Christ came to save and redeem. So it's, in many ways, our story. The great story was about the eventual coming of Jesus. All of the Old Testament characters were part of the, old, the great story. That's why they're there. That's why they're important. That's why we need to know who they are in these stories. A hugely important character in the story was Abraham. 
And God made a promise to Abraham to bless the world through the eventual Savior and Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would come as a direct descendant of Abraham. So God chose Abraham and he told everybody, watch him, watch him. And then he had a son named Isaac and everybody said, now watch him, it's going to come through him. And then he had a son named Jacob and he said, watch him. And then he had a son named Judah, and he said, keep your eyes on Judah. And he was telling along the great story where to keep our eyes focused so that we could eventually find our way to the Christ Jesus. And that's what the Bible is doing for us. God later made it clear that this blessing given to Abraham would then follow and come through his son Isaac. And then he would enter into a covenant with his grandson, Abraham's grandson, Jacob. That's our character that we're talking about is the grandson of Abraham. Through a great-grandson, he would have a great son named Judah. And he would eventually have a great, 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 plus a few, grandson David. And on and on until Jesus was born of Joseph and Mary. Jacob, Jacob was a player in the great story early in the story. And you can read the genealogy, the family tree of Jesus in Matthew 1. And you'll find Jacob right there in verse 2. It's right there in verse 2 in the great story. That's how this ties together. That's why this is important. This is what makes Jacob. We need to know Jacob. He's important because he helps us find Jesus. The story of Jesus runs through the entire Bible all the way back to Abraham, even all the way back to Adam and Eve. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned against God and brought the curse of death, God promised the blessing of salvation that would eventually lead to baby Jesus and then baby Jesus would eventually lead to Jesus, a man who died on the cross and rose from the dead. So who was Jacob? Most importantly, he was a player in the great story of Jesus. He was the grandson of Abraham and the father of Judah, without whom we would not have Jesus, our Savior. So he's pretty important. A second question, what was happening? What was happening with Jacob before he wrestled with God? We jumped into the story right at the wrestling match. What was happening leading up to the wrestling match that made the wrestling match so important? Jacob was not such a great guy. If you know him very well, he's like, he's not a very likely character to be on God's, in God's play, in God's drama. He doesn't seem like we wouldn't have picked him. Humanly speaking, he wouldn't have been a very likely candidate to be given an important assignment from God. His, his name means heel grabber. Because he grabbed his twin brother's heel as they were delivered at birth. The name also means deceiver or supplanter. He deceived his dad and his brother. He had many, many struggles in life. He was far from perfect. He had many flaws. And yet God chose to use him. And he slowly and usually reluctantly came eventually to embrace God and his will for his life. And then you kind of slow on the take care. And you kind of slow to get in line with what God might have you have a you have a record you have a story it's like well I really wasn't the most likely candidate but somehow in the mercy of God he didn't give up on me and he, he gave me so many opportunities I'm so thankful that he's long suffering Jacob was born in the land of Canaan and he moved far away to where his grandfather grew up grandfather Abraham and the way on the way there 
he returned there. And on the way there, he had a great encounter with God at a place called Bethel, which means the house of God, Bethel, house of God, where he had a vision of a ladder reaching to heaven. And it was a declaration to choose there he made a declaration to choose the God of Abraham as his God. So in this first, on his trip to where he was going to end up, he was going to go to the land of his grandfather. And he, on the way there, he had this encounter at the house of God. And he made a choice that day. He made a vow. Genesis 28, 20, Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. He's like, well, if God takes care of me, then I, I choose God. So it was like a acknowledgement. Among the gods, I, I choose my, my father's God. It was like personal, it's like a teenager finally decides for themselves, I choose my parents' God, not because I was learned it in Sunday school, but I, I choose. It's like he owned it differently than he had prior to that encounter. Jacob declared God to be his God, and he spent his next 20 years far away, not necessarily in a good place, far away in a distant land, building his family and his wealth. He, didn't, he did acknowledge God, but he did, he did not really embrace or understand how to pursue God's call upon his life. But God had great plans that included Jacob. Like Jacob had great plans that may or may not include God. But God had great plans that definitely included Jacob. And so God spoke to Jacob in a vision and told him to, to um, go home to the land he grew up, the land God promised to the descendants of Abraham and the future nation of Israel. Genesis 33, 9, return to your country and your kindred that I may do you good. God wanted to do you good. God wants to do you good. God wants to do you good. He really does. He says, return, return to me and, and, and let me lead. Let me guide in your life. Let me direct you. Give your life to me and I, I want to do good for you. And so that's what Jacob did. Jacob's response was evidence that he was ready to follow the path of God. Jacob said in chapter 33, I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness you have shown. Jacob said, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Are you worthy? Are you worthy? Do you deserve the blessing and favor of God? Would anyone here actually believe? Do you, does anyone here actually think you deserve, you actually can demand? You have a right to the favor of, you have earned the favor of God. Does anyone? That's what makes, Jacob is showing us the way of salvation for every person. Every person comes to God and they would never demand, who would ever be so foolish as to demand what they deserve before God? The way of salvation comes by this simple acknowledgement, I am not worthy I'm not worthy of the least of your mercies, one translation says. This is the starting point for all dealings with God. Humility that bows low to God and a full acknowledgement that you are unworthy to receive God's favor. It is not a demand for your rights, but a plea for grace. The heart that wants to be restored to God never says, Lord, I'm here to collect on my good things I've done in your name. 
The person that will find favor with God will never say, Lord, I'm a good person and have lived my, tried to live my best. No, just the opposite. The soul that moves towards God says in deepest contrition and sorrow, I am not worthy of your mercy. But Lord, could you possibly forgive me for the wrongs that I have done? That is the prayer and posture of one who wants to begin and continue a walk with God. That is the door to salvation that Jesus has made possible by his sacrifice on the cross. Jacob was doing life, having kids, making money, making a name for himself, trying to build success, to have things, to increase in this world. <clears throat> God was part of his life. He, he believed in God. He chose God among other gods. He was not a pagan. He was nowhere, but yet he was nowhere near what he needed to be to carry out his mission from God. And considering all that had happened in his life with his grandfather being the great Abraham, his dad being Isaac, the personal experiences he had with God, you would think that he would have been much deeper in his relationship with God, but he was not. And I think some of you would say that. I would have thought I would be much deeper in my walk with God to this point, but, but I'm not. And Abraham, or Jacob rather, was beginning to ask, well, how can that change? And God was prepared to change it. On his way home, he was greatly afraid to face his past. He had a bad past. He was afraid to face it. He was terrified that his earlier life and earlier decisions would bring destruction to his family and his future. Any of you feel this way? Your past terrifies you and you don't want to come to terms or grips with it. You're afraid to bring it up or talk about it or deal with it. Jacob wanted to trust God, but he was still trusting in his own strength and wisdom. He had never really surrendered everything to God. His prayer in 9 through 12 proved that he wanted God to deliver him from his past mistakes against Esau, but his actions proved that he still wanted to do it his way. He wanted to fix things with Esau. You ever try to fix people and not trust God? Jacob was a codependent. He was sure he could fix the situation. He prayed to ask for God's help, but then he jumped ahead of God to fix it himself. Have you ever been there? God gives you a direction to go, but you keep grabbing the steering wheel. It's like, God, I want to go here. So he starts taking you. He's like, no, I don't like that. Well, I don't like that. That can't be what you want. This is what I see. We tend to think that we can fix ourselves. And Jacob thought, my brother is mad and coming with 400 men. He is going to pay me back and kill me. First, I'll... I'll give him a huge gift of camels, donkeys, sheep, cattle, an enormous value, 500 and something animals, very valuable to them. Then I'll break my camp into different groups from least valuable to the most valuable. I'll protect my family and my beloved Rachel and Joseph, my favorites. Then I'll stay back here one more night and I'll say some more prayers to God because surely that'll help. You can't say too many prayers. More Hail Marys, more name Lord's, more Lord prayers a big check in the offering plate. I'll go to youth group, God. I'll go to church even on Sunday. I'll serve at the food table, anything that might help. And that's a knowledge of God, but that's not really trusting in God. That's you seeking some way to earn the favor of God. And that was Jacob before this wrestling match. 
what needed to happen in Jacob that God came to wrestle with him? What needed to happen? The real issue was not Esau, as Jacob thought. The real issue was Jacob. The real issue was not Jacob's situation. It was Jacob's condition. It was not the danger approaching him. It was the danger in him of not trusting God. It was not Jacob's inability to defeat a threat to his life. It was Jacob's unwillingness to trust his life totally to God. Notice that Jacob was alone, Genesis 32, 24, and Jacob was left alone. When God spoke to him and met with him and came to him, he was alone. He was alone to pray, to ponder, to think, to seek God. If you want to do real business with God, then you must do it alone. You must have a real time with God. You must seek God if you hope to hear God. Everything he loved and owned and cherished was on the other side of the Jabbok River and he was alone to seek God. Can you separate from all that you have and cherish long enough to lay yourself bare before God? Just you and God to have business. No one between you. Are you ready to do that? Is there anyone here? That's where we begin to make progress with God. When we just lay everything we put our hope in, everything we value long enough. It doesn't mean God, God can do with what He wants to. Most of the time He doesn't take it away from us. He just wants to know that we're willing to lay it down long enough to come to Him and say, Lord, I give you everything, my past, present, future. Will you please bless me? Notice that a man came to Him Genesis 32, 24, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Jacob was taken totally by surprise. It was a physical encounter, and Jacob had no idea who it was at first. He probably thought it was a robber or someone sent by Esau, a stranger, perhaps a random and crazy situation with no connection to God. And in the process, Jacob was injured. When the man saw, verse 25, that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Sometimes we're injured in a situation and we think that it's random. Without even realizing that God often speaks to us through life's altering events, accidents, surgeries, injuries, mistakes, great losses. It is sometimes God seeing if we will reach out to him, if we are ready and willing to listen to him, to seek him, and so I ask you, is God currently seeking you? Is He pursuing you? Is He speaking to you? Can you hear Him? Can you see Him, identify His constant involvement in your life? Are these mere inexplicable coincidences, unhappy misfortunes, or divine appointments? The angel said, let me go. He announced that he was leaving. Jacob was clinging to him. Jacob needed to know who he was and why this was happening. And Jacob did not pray, yes, Lord, please be gone. Get rid of this affliction, the sooner the better. Just leave and take the pain and suffering away. No, instead Jacob was desperate to understand. By this time he knew that he was a messenger from God. And so he pleaded, who are you? I need God's blessing. I'll hold on to you. Bless, bless me. Bless me even through this great wrestling match, through this suffering, through this pain. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he held on with all his might. The angel said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. I am the deceiver, the hill grabber. And God said, not anymore. 
You are no longer the hill grabber. You are not what you used to be. I'm declaring a new name for you. And Jacob's new name, he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Are any of you ready for a new name? Are any of you wanting to not be what you used to be? Are any of you saying, Lord God, I, I'm not what I was. I want a new identity. I want a new name. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be new. Can that be, can you, could you make me new, God? And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. And that's when Jacob wanted to make sure who he was wrestling with. Why is it that you asked my name? So we need to know who it is that we're wrestling with and is it the hand of God and something we're going through. Jacob called the name of Peniel, which means I have seen God face to face and my life has been changed. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel limping. And so we come, and the first time Jacob stops, he stops at Bethel, the house of God. And he identified himself, and he acknowledged God, and he spent 20 years doing his own thing. And God says, I want you to serve me now in a deeper way. And he comes back, and he has another encounter. And it's Peniel, face of God. He had been to the house of God. And he had an encounter with God at Bethel. And now he comes to Penuel, which is the face of God. And he has an encounter face to face with God. He has a real encounter with God. So all of you have come to the house of God. You've all been to Bethel. But have you had been met face to face with God? Have you had spiritual encounter, personal encounter? And that's going to come with some wrestling. And you're going to need to wrestle through some things in your life. And that's what you're being asked of God to do. And God is ready to wrestle with you. But before, as I finish, I want to tell you about another wrestling match that occurred that greatly involves you. Isaiah 53 describes the greatest wrestling match that's ever occurred in the history of the world. And it's the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who wrestled with Satan for us. He wrestled for us. He wants to wrestle with us to let us see our need for Him, but He wrestled for us in order to deliver us from sin, and, from sin and death. And Isaiah said that by His stripes we are healed, by His wounds, that God poured out His wrath upon His own Son. And it says that all we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Jesus Christ was the great wrestler, and He wrestled the devil and defeated him so that we could be set free from our sin. So this morning, I want you to think about the greatest wrestling match, maybe the match that you're going through right now. Maybe you're wrestling with, where are you in your relationship to Jesus Christ? But I want you to think of the extent to which Jesus wrestled for you. He even laid down His life for you and died a horrible death to gain the victory that will open a way for you and God. And there may be something that you've become a Christian and you're, you're needing time with God now. So somewhere along the way and now you're really just saying, Lord God, I've let pile, things pile up. I've been away for a while. I've spent 20 years or however long doing my thing. I acknowledged you earlier in life, but I need, I need to come back to you and line up with your purposes for me. So regardless if it's your first time to meet with God or it's something that God is calling you and summoning you right now in your life saying, I've set up a situation and I've made it possible for you to have, to walk with me.
and close communion with God. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to make that possible for you. And so as we close this morning, I want you to think, is God coming to you today and in, for what purpose? Is it to save you for the very first time? Or is it that you would align your life with the purposes of God and discover what it means to walk with Christ and to be renewed in your love for God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day for this wrestling match where you came and wrestled with Jacob, not to hurt him, but to save him and show your everlasting love to him. And may we be like Jacob, God. May we wrestle with you and say we will not let go. I just pray here, God, that number one, that if you're wrestling with someone here, they'll recognize it. And even though it might be a time of pain in their life, they will pray, Lord God, I will not let go until you bless me. Will you pursue and seek the blessing of God upon your life and ask God and tell him, Lord, whatever the purpose for this that I'm going through right now, I will not let go until you bless me because you are the only one that can truly bless my life. Give everything to Jesus this morning and ask for that, seek that blessing of God that comes through Jesus Christ alone, the great wrestler, the one who went to the cross, defeated sin and death, and rose victorious. In his name we pray, amen. You can stand as we close with This Is My Father's World.